a fan-made port of Sonic the Hedgehog is on Commodore 64s, and I actually played it. Plus, there's a great resignation happening across the workforce and is hitting one game publisher hard. Tonight is December 26th, 2021, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so love, you would say uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. Hello. We're festive. Like we always try to be. But it's festive here because of where I'm, I'm on a holiday right now. That's how you're supposed to say it, right? We're on a holiday right now? Uh, yeah, so uh, welcome to a festive edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on uh, December 26th, which is probably going to be our lowest uh, viewer count of the year, which is totally fine. It's uh, there. There's a, uh, the seasons coming going on, uh, the, the reason for the season and all that stuff, and people are visiting families they probably haven't seen in two years. Uh, so I completely understand. But we do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Uh, and that's where I'm going to be trying to read intelligent comments from throughout the night. Uh, but if you can't be here on Sunday nights, especially when we're in the middle of a holiday season, and hey, I mean, next the next show is going to be in 2022, uh, which, you know, don't get scared just because it's 2020 part two. Or 2022. Anyway, uh, it's at, uh, we're going to be January 2nd, so people are probably still going to be hungover from New Year's Eve. Uh, but uh, we are going to be here. But during the week, we are in our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. And that's where you can see uh, see some things and talk to us during the week. See some things maybe that we don't talk about here on the show. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and also talk back if you can't be here on Sunday night. So... Uh, we are a podcast and, you know, we, we absolutely love being, uh, everybody out there that, that participates, uh, even if it is just listening, uh, on a podcast, but we do have it. Uh, we, we are live on Twitch. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start and just give a reminder because we are now two weeks away. Uh, in two weeks, uh, awesome games done quick. 2022 will be starting. Uh, we, in two weeks, we would have already started. It starts at noon. Uh, on in two Sundays from now. Uh, so uh, I am fortunate enough for the fourth time to be a host, which is a donation reader, uh, both between games and during the game, uh, for the fourth time. So this is going to be my fourth time doing it. Uh, and uh, my schedule hasn't changed again yet, but it might uh, in terms of what I'm actually doing. Uh, so what uh, I'm, I'm going to be doing three shifts. And I'm going to let you know when I am at. Uh, these times will change. I'm going to list them in Eastern time. Uh, but on January 11th, which is Tuesday, starting at about 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, Kaya Rune is going to be doing an any percent run of uh, Final Fantasy 13. Uh, so that is a five-hour game. I'm going to be doing the first half with uh, Sabera Messia taking over for the second half. So for about two and a half hours, I'm going to be on the air uh, with Final Fantasy 13 while they're running through the entire game in, uh, in, in 
just five hours. On Thursday, January 13th, starting probably about 2 o'clock Eastern, uh, Frube, who we've uh, who I've worked with before, is uh, running Lost Judgment, which is a Yakuza title, uh, but uh, this is the new version that came out, the new game that came out this, this year. This is not a turn-based RPG like Like a Dragon. This is more of the beat-em-up and investigation with stealth sections and... and, and uh, chase sequences and stuff, uh, more like the original Yakuza games, but with a different protagonist. But it happens in the same world as Yakuza. And the Yakuza are even involved, but it's really about high school bullies. Uh, and then on January 15th, on Saturday, the final day, uh, Octopus Cal is uh, going to be running at noon, around noon Eastern, uh, Earthbound. And it's going to take about an hour. Octopus Cal is a Japanese runner, so uh, I'm hoping to meet up with one of his commentators soon to discuss things because he does, uh, Octopus Cal does not speak that much English. And then uh, after that, this is the run that I'm not sure if it's going to be during my shift or not, uh, but this is the run that's been changed once. Uh, so start right after that, starting probably about 1.30 in the afternoon on Saturday, Banana Pegasus is going to tentatively be running uh, the all-unique weapons in Fallout New Vegas. So if there's any ever a game that is well-suited to a Games Done Quick marathon where they're trying to beat it quickly and using every tool available to them, uh, it's a game by Bethesda. And uh, this, uh, this time is up in the air. I was actually told today that this may change again. I will still have two games. I will have Earthbound and I will have something else. Uh, it might not be Fallout New Vegas. It might be Fallout New Vegas. I don't know. Uh, but right now, as of right now on the schedule over at GameStoneQuick.com slash schedule, it is uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, and when that changes, I will let people know. But I, from what I understand, like the time that I am going to be on the air uh, is not going to change. Just what I commentate is going to change a little bit. Uh, and that's the nature of uh, doing a, an online event like this and uh, or just doing a long week long event. Not everything goes as uh, as planned. There are actually about five or six games that were dropped off the schedule and backup runs brought in. Uh, I was not the only one affected by this. And some of the games weren't even uh, brought back. Like some of the games weren't even replaced. Like if the game was only like 10 minutes long that got dropped off the schedule, they didn't bother replacing it with anything else. So it was only the longer runs. that was an hour that uh that's what uh they were replacing so more information about that uh you can find over at gamesdonequick.com uh and the schedule if you go to the schedule on that page it automatically translates to your computer's time zone whatever your computer or device says your turn time zone is and so you can get all those times in your time zone and then as the marathon goes on those times will adjust so you can always see at what, you know, at any time, like, so how far behind are we? How far ahead are we? Uh, stuff like that. So I want to, so uh, hopefully I will see you there. If you donate, uh, if you donate uh, through through Games Done Quick and you want to get your comment read on the air, uh, the trick is if you put at the end hashtag Vogue Network, uh, that I will let the uh, donation station where they screen all the donations know that that's part of my community. However, do not uh, mention the network. Do not mention this podcast. Do not promote me. I am not allowed to promote myself. I can say my name and that's it. I can't even say follow me on social media or I get cut. So uh, I, I can't read a donation that says, hey, Bobby, I love your podcast. Thank you for being a host, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I can't read it. Uh, you can definitely donate with that. And your money will go to a great cause, but I can't read it on the air. Uh, and they probably won't even send it to me to read, so I won't even see it. Uh, but 
the hashtag Vogue Network will get you in a little bit quicker. Probably Final Fantasy 13 will probably be the best time to get your comment read on the air because I bet there's going to be a lot of downtime in that game uh, that I'll have a lot of time to read donations. So last week, I uh, talked about uh, Sonic the Hedgehog coming to different uh, things that are not game consoles. And apparently, uh, for people with uh, the, the newer Tesla cars, the Sonic the Hedgehog update got pushed yesterday uh, or, or the day before. All anybody's talking about that is this synchronized light show uh, which, where, where you can actually like program all the headlights and stuff to, to do a light show with the music playing really loud and the headlights apparently flash the Tesla logo onto the, uh, onto, uh, a, uh, onto the wall if you park close to a wall, stuff like that. That's all anybody's talking about, but they added uh, Sonic the Hedgehog in that update, so it's there. I have what is now called a Legacy Model S. Uh, that is the Tesla that I drive, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a position to have gotten that almost six years ago now. Uh, actually, over six years. Uh, almost seven years ago now. Uh, so I haven't gotten the update yet because I don't get the light show, but theoretically I will be getting Sonic the Hedgehog uh, as well. And when I do that, I will make a video showing the game selection uh, in the car. I do understand there was a, a, a story posted in our Discord that uh, apparently they, there is an investigation because three of the games uh, are playable by passengers while the car is in motion, and that might violate some regulations. Um, and so Tesla might be doing the asking forgiveness instead of permission type of thing. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I, they're, they're investigating that, which I, I think is a good thing. I don't, I don't think these games should be in view of the driver while they're being played. Uh, backseat. Sure. Fine. Uh, but in, in view of the driver not while the car is in operation. No, I, I don't care how many self-driving things, uh, that it has or how, how much it promises. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't do self-driving. It doesn't drive itself. Everybody thought my car drove itself. It really doesn't. But the other thing it came to that Sonic the Hedgehog came to, uh, was, uh, not an official port by Sega, but it was for the Commodore 64. And I showed a trailer of it last week and, uh, uh, and played some of the music from it, and and it requires a 256k RAM expansion unit, which uh, were was available in the 80s. Uh, there, there were a lot, there were like demos and stuff that were coded for, it, but it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't out kind of for the masses. You had to know where to look. You had to be in computer clubs, which a lot of hardcore Commodore owners in the late 80s, early 90s, they were in these hardcore computer clubs. Uh, and knew how to solder new chips if they needed to, if they wanted the better SID chip, which is the music chip in the Commodore 64. But the RAM expansion unit was just winning the cartridge port. And the Sonic the Hedgehog game was released for the, the RAM expansion unit. And Pod Culture in chat last week asked, hey, does this work on the C64 Mini? Which I've talked about here on the show before. So I actually have the C64 Mini and what's, I guess... The C64. So the C64, and when I say the C64 for the people on podcast, literally it is, in all capital letters, T-H-E-C-6-4. That is the name of the product because they don't have the word Commodore. They don't have the ability to use the word Commodore. They're also making an Amiga, a retro Amiga. But that is the company that makes the the mini uh, C64, the C64 mini, which is what it was called, uh, where you could plug in an external keyboard and actually type on it and stuff. And then there's the C64, which a lot of times on message boards get called the Maxi, 
which has the actual membrane keyboard, uh, and it, it's full size. Uh, people that watch on Twitch can actually see it. It's it's on the it's on the shelf in the back here, uh, and and it does all the same stuff as the C64. And Podculture has the C64 Mini, and he said, "Hey, does it work on the C64 Mini?" And I was like, "I don't know." Well, now I know because I looked it up, and it turns out that they're still supporting. The, the 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 retro games LTD I think is the company that does it. They still support both the C sixty four and the C sixty four mini with new features. And in one of the latest firmware updates from this year, they added emulation support for up to five twelve K of the RAM expansion unit. So what you need to do is you need to go get the latest firmware, which actually was just updated two weeks ago. Uh, right now, uh, version 1.6.1 is the firmware. You put it on your USB stick. It's a, it's a dot .bin file you put on your USB stick. It's, it's, it's easy. Uh, pod, I'm sure Podculture knows exactly how to do that. Uh, you get that. You install it. You don't need any other like third-party carousels or firmwares or anything. You can use the official firmware. And then when you download the D64 images, which are available freely available on the Internet because uh, they're not selling this, they already have the file extension parameter that you need because for the C64, uh, you need, in order to emulate certain things, you actually just add it to the end of the file name before the .c64. So, like, if you need the joystick in port 1 instead of port 2, you would add underscore J1 to the file name, and that would tell the C64, hey, the joystick's going to be in port 1, not in port 2. Um, But the download already adds the underscore R5 that is necessary for the C64 to emulate the 512K expansion unit. So, what does it look like, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. That actually, nobody asked. N- nobody asked what it looked like, but you know what? I'm going to show you. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm running a video. I'm actually going to put this video. There's no commentary on it. I'm going to put it on my personal YouTube channel, Bobby Blackwolf, uh, on YouTube. But notice, 1.6.1 released on December 17th. It's uh, That is the latest firmware. Um... So uh, that's what it looks like. And so you go into your thing, and Sonic the Hedgehog, you put in disk A, you put it in. I've got it in NTSC mode, and it says this is not going to run at an optimal frame rate in NTSC mode. Whatever. I hit yes. I'm going to play it anyway. Uh, I use the fast load when it comes up. You, do you want to use fast load or normal? And then I just said play the game. And this is the game running on the C64, which is not a real Commodore 64, but it's a very close emulation. And I'm showing this because last week I played the SID music at PAL speed, which is 50 hertz. This is running at NTSC at 60 hertz, even though it gives you a warning that you really shouldn't play it. Uh, You should play it in PAL mode. I don't care. You should listen to this and listen to how how this actually sounds at full, full speed. Um... This is a little bit slower, but this is the title screen that it's doing right now. So, and then I hit I hit fire. And this is the Sega Master System version. It's a port of the Sega Master System version, not of the Genesis version, which is slightly different. But here is Green Hill Zone. And so this is running on a, the SID chip. Uh which only has three voices. So the SID, the SID chip, which is the music chip in the Commodore 64, can only play three different vo- notes at a time. And uh, so I just hit uh, something. Now I'm going to actually go fast. Now you get to actually see it if you're watching the video, and you'll see it on my YouTube. You'll actually see me go fast. 
that's... And now the music's going a lot faster, too, because I'm in the fast mode. Mike Def says, it sounds really funny. Uh, yeah, because it, it's running off of just three voices at once, and it's running on a Commodore 64. So if you have a RAM expansion unit for your Commodore 64, a legitimate Commodore 64, this goes comes on two discs. I've only run the first disc. I haven't had to change the disc yet. And uh, th this is how it would play in sound. Um, so we're in the second zone now, and uh, I'm, I'm doing a little worse here. But uh, I'm going to turn it down just a little bit because it's the same music. Uh, but the way it plays, because the Commodore joystick only has uh, a button, you know, one button. So it's a joystick and one button. So obviously the one button is your jump. If you go up and down, up and down, up and down on the joystick, you can actually become the little ball. Uh, but I haven't figured out how to launch yet. And it's because I haven't read the manual. When you start the game, it says, uh, do you want to play the game or read the manual? And you hit M to read the manual or G to play the game. And I've always hit G. I've always had to had to hit G. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's more I am missing. Um, but this is getting me through. Th this got me through the first area. And every, uh, people in chat, YYR, are saying I'm wowed by this amazing technical achievement. This is this is amazing. Apparently, this is like almost as impressive as uh, another game that came out recently that used a RAM expansion unit that had better side scrolling for the Commodore 64. Um, but, uh, this is still really amazing. And I, apparently this wouldn't have been available to run on, on the C64 mini or the C64 maxi until earlier this year. So I'm, I'm glad it waited now. Now I want to go find that super Mario brothers port that I've seen. Cause I've actually seen that run on a real Commodore 64, but I think it also needed a Ram expansion unit. And now I want to go find that disc image and play it. And Tiger Claw says, I wonder if they're already speedrunning the, the, the C64 version. I'm sure somebody is. Because um, you can run this in Vice. Like, if you have the Vice emulator, you can also run this there. Uh, you don't need... Uh, the Vice will also uh, emulate the RAM expansion unit. And you only need the 256K. Um, and I got into a bonus stage. And I actually looked up a YouTube video of... Um, of, of the, the actual game being played and this is the same music uh, so they, they they emulated the whole music and the uh, the, the bonus stage even looks the same um, so it's, it's a very faithful port for being on a Commodore 64 but once again it is the 8-bit version of Sonic the Hedgehog which only exists on the Sega Master System and the Game Gear uh, so it is not the Genesis version that ev that is what everybody knows, essentially. Um, and Tiger Claw says, I wonder how the boss battle looks. Well, guess what, Tiger Claw? There's a boss battle. Rob Roberts says, God, I love C64 music. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was very impressed with it um, and, and what they've done with this. So... Um, in the in the Sonic game in the in the uh, eight bit Sonic game, you have two stages and then the boss battle. And here comes, I guess, is he still Doctor Eggman in this? Has he become Doctor Robotnik yet? I think he's still Doctor Eggman in this. So, um, I'm terrible at the boss. Uh, and the first thing I'm going to do here that you're going to see is I'm actually going to save do a save state because this is still an emulator. So this is proving I'm not actually playing this on a real Commodore sixty four, but it is. 
uh, you can have four save states in the C64 and the C64 Mini. So I saved right before the boss just to make sure because uh, I, I, when I recorded this video, I had gotten to the boss and I couldn't beat the boss. And essentially, you know, Eggman goes back and forth. And then when he goes down, you jump on him. And I think you got to hit him eight times. It's not a three per time hit. It's an eight time hit or something. Maybe I don't understand the fight as well. Um, but this is also like the second time I ever faced him. But he kind of, he kind of, for the podcast audience, he kind of goes very slowly across the top where you can't get to him. And then he start he comes down and then goes across and you can hit him while he is down, but you don't have any rings. So you, it's a one hit kill. If you run it, if he runs into you or you hit his hitbox wrong, you're dead and you try again. Um, so Tyreclaw says, I don't remember if the Eggman with the Wrecking Ball was the first boss. I don't remember because I've never played the Game Gear uh, Sega Master System version. So that that's why I don't actually remember because I've actually never played this version before. And Dark Tetsu says, always super cu cool to see what the homebrew community comes up with. This is definitely a labor of love. And to be fair, and I did beat the boss. So Son the Sega has actually said, as long as they're not making money for it with it, we're fine. Because they're like, yeah, we, we heard about that. It's cool. And here we are, saving the animals. All the animals have been saved. And so that's the Green Hill Zone. Uh, so there's a little bit more in this video, and it's because this is Rob saying, I love C64 music. So the next stage is Bridge. This is exclusive to the 8-bit version. I had never heard the Bridge song, song before, and I looked it up, and this is a, a port of it. But, like, I was just sat, and I decided to sit here for, like, a minute and just listen to the Sid version. It's just, it's just three voices. The Commodore 64 can only play three notes at a time. So all this is just three notes. And they do have the idle uh, animation of Sonic tapping his foot, looking at you. Like, they, they did that. They, they got a lot of this right. So I just sat there like, I, I this first time I got to this stage, and I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and listen to it. And then I cut off the video. So that's that's the end of the video of that. Uh, so uh, it is available. I can't remember like the actual like site it's on. It might be Lemon64, but the D64 images are available. If you have a C64 or a C64 Mini, once again, get the latest firmware. As long as it's at least 1.5.2, you'll be able to do it. But 1.6.1 was just released on December 17th. Get that on there. And then when you put the D64 image on there, they've already got the uh, command line, the parameters, the file name parameters that you need. You put that on your USB stick, you load it up, you load up disk A, boom, it's going to run. If you have the Vice emulator, you make sure you get one that has the RAM expansion unit. I don't know enough about how Vice works to determine that, but I do know it does work. Uh, so you can play it there. Or if you have a real Commodore 64, get you find out how to get a RAM expansion unit for your Commodore 64. You just need at least 256K and then get the D64 files onto... Uh, however, you get D64 files to your uh, to your Commodore 64. There's a there are um, 1541 emulators. So 1541 is the disk drive for the Commodore 64. There are emulators that take an SD card, 
and basically you choose the SD card that you want, and then that becomes what is in drive eight or drive nine. Uh, put that in, and um, uh, then then you can play it on a regular Commodore sixty four. So uh, I was very impressed with it, uh, and uh, unfortunately I got it working so late. I'm like I should stream this, and then I realized it was like two in the morning, and I'm like no, I'm not going to stream this now. I'll stream it later. But uh, maybe if I maybe I'll find that and I'll find the uh, Super Mario Brothers because that came out a port of Super Mario Brothers came out for the Commodore sixty four. Maybe get that and just do a do a Commodore sixty four stream. So let's check in on uh, this uh, resale market. We've been talking about this. It's been a slow news week, so I have to kind of kind of pick on uh, pick on this topic and and just this is not really trying to pick on it as much. As trying to just see how uh, how the public, the gaming public, is taking to some new trends that some industry executives in the game industry are trying to to uh, to to foist on us, and they say that we're going to eventually accept this as truth. But let's see how that's going right now. So Eurogamer reports that Ubisoft's NFT platform Quartz. Um, has uh, caused quite a stir when it was announced at the beginning of the month. The publisher revealed that Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint was to be the first game to offer NFTs in a beta trial in select countries, not including the UK. So this is in, this is Eurogamer that I'm reading from. So they obviously have a UK bent. With just under a month since its announcement, um, so we're going to check to see how successful it has been. Um, so, uh, a tweet by, uh, uh, Liz Edwards, who works in the game industry at a different publisher that's not Ubisoft, um, noticed that a grand total of 15 NFTs, uh, have been sold between the two marketplaces that you can use them on, which is Object, O-B-J-I-K-T, Object, and Rarible. So those are the only marketplaces you can buy the Ubisoft stuff on, and a total of 15 have been sold. Now, these aren't sold by Ubisoft. Ubisoft is actually not selling any of these. They are uh, giving away these uh, these items to people with playtime. And they, I'm sure, probably get a cut in whatever cryptocurrency they're using from those two marketplaces, which is why they want you to, to sell it. But only 15 as of the writing of this article, which was on the 20th, so it's probably more now, it's the 26th. But as of the 20th, after a month, only 15 have been sold. And uh, it looks like they're using Tezos, which is the, the cryptocurrency that they're using. Uh, it's about 445 Tezos in sales, which is roughly, if you convert that to United States currency, uh, United States dollar today, uh, or at least on the 20th, it's about $1,755. And that's it. And this is this is the resale market. Quartz is designed so that only those who play Ubisoft's games can purchase one of these, which means that people who don't play the games and don't have a Ubisoft account can't buy and drive up the price for these, which, I mean, I, I kind of get that. I understand that. Uh, but it's not an unregulated marketplace, which is what normal... Uh, the normal idea of a crypto marketplace and an NFT marketplace is that it's unregulated. Well, this is absolutely gatekeeped by a central authority. So uh, all Ubisoft NFT purchases appear to be for the gun skin in Ghost Recon. No one has bought the helmet. That's the uh, thing that requires 600 hours of playtime to obtain. Nobody's bought that yet. Um, so... 
it's interesting that uh, that the people who are really into this new marketplace, they're not they're not buying. They're more than willing to sell, but nobody's buying. Fifth Dream says, uh, guys, send me money for my new NFT. I'll let you know if it increases in value, okay? Trust me. Well, it, it, to be fair, the value of something is the agreement between the two parties. Um, I can want a 4K television for $50 all I want. I can say I only want to pay $50 for a 4K television, but it really depends on if somebody wants to sell me a 4K television at my specs for $50 for it to have that value. Otherwise, if somebody else is willing to pay $500 for a 4K television or a 4K monitor, and that's what they're willing to buy, and that's what their other com- uh, the, the seller is willing to sell it for, that's what its value is. It doesn't matter how much I want to buy it for. And I think that's what's happening here is that the people who are selling these are saying, it's you know I will, I'm willing to sell it for $10,000, and people are willing to buy it for 21 bucks. And so what's the actual value? Well, it's somewhere in between because it's apparently worth more than 21 bucks, but it's not worth $10,000. But I'm still trying to figure out why this, what problem this solves, because the reason you would want uh, something like using the blockchain for this is if you don't trust the central authority. That is the whole point of this is that, you know, if you don't trust the central authority, that's why you want to have the, the ledger that's on the blockchain where anybody, you know, it, it not, no one entity controls it. But for these, Ubisoft controls it. So the other thing going on, we're going to stay on Ubisoft for a little bit just because I, I feel bad that they're the punching bag, but they, you know, the, the executives at the top deserve it. The people below don't deserve it. Most of the people that work at Ubisoft don't deserve being the punching bag. Uh, but the some of the but the executives at the very top making the decision, yeah, they can they can handle it. Um, they can cry all the way to the bank uh, with and dive into their piles of money. But there's a, a phenomenon going on all around uh, the world right now. But really, I'm seeing it here in the United States. Uh, but it is also a problem in Europe, and it's called the Great Resignation. And what's happening is that uh, for a myriad of reasons. Uh, people have decided to change jobs or change what they're doing with their life. Uh, maybe they've had a lot of introspection over the last two years on what's really important and what they feel that, that is valued, their value is, and how they can take control of that. Because there's been a lot of things the past couple of years that we can't control, that we haven't been able to control as individuals. One of the things we can control is what our employment situation is like. And a lot of people are taking advantage of that. So we're seeing a lot of attrition, and they're calling it the great resignation. And it can be a myriad of factors. It is not because uh, we, we're past the stage of people can make more on unemployment, because that's not true anymore. Uh, that hasn't been true for half a year. Uh, but what we're seeing, uh, just kind of in general, before I get to the specific thing about Ubisoft, is that people are realizing that they're worth more. And... Um, they're also what's happening is that the older generation, they took early retirement. So the workforce has gotten younger because a lot of the people at the top, they took that early retirement. Uh, they, they took all the stuff that they had sa- been able to save up for the past, you know, couple, several decades of working. Uh, and they were like, see ya. I don't, I don't want to work anymore. Uh, I don't have to. I'm retired. And so a lot of the younger people uh, are, are saying, well, I now know what I'm worth. And if you really believe I'm indispensable, pay me more. 
And Paleonimea says even uh, known sociological effect of pandemics. And Tiger Claw says this is due to the pandemic and now they spend a lot of time at home. So they're rethinking their careers and looking for jobs where they can stay at home. It's not necessarily just staying at home, even though that I'm sure is a big part of it, because there are a lot of people that are ready to go back to an office. Uh, it's even people that are not in management. Mostly it's management that wants everybody back in the office. But um, there are people that probably realize that, you know, I, you know, they enjoy being a bartender. But they may not enjoy being a bartender at a place that can only afford to pay them eight bucks an hour. And they may say, well, I'm worth 12 or 13 bucks an hour or even more than that. And so they're going to go find that job. And then the job where they were at are still they're off trying to backfill that position for eight bucks an hour. And they're learning that every bartender believes they're worth more than eight bucks an hour. And then they have staffing shortages and they're like, nobody wants to work anymore. No, they just don't want to work for you anymore. Ubisoft, that's also happening. And it's not necessarily because of the pandemic, even though I'm sure that has helped a little bit. But Axios, which is where Steven Totillo is, uh, reports that colleagues across Ubisoft have uh, names for the procession of developers who have departed over the past 18 months, the Great Exodus and the Cut Artery. Uh, so a wave of resignations impacting scores of industries have come for the video game sector this year and has been felt by uh, acutely at the massive Ubisoft. Across the company's global network of studios, which at 20,000-plus employees is one of gaming's largest workforces, many developers have decided it's time to quit. But many of their colleagues describe a flow of goodbyes that they've never seen before. Now, I understand that you know Ubisoft, I'm, I'm glad he, he said that this is one of gaming's largest workforces because we all know, after watching investigative journalism, that the largest workforce in gaming industry are kids doing Roblox. We, we now know that Roblox is the largest workforce in the gaming industry, and it's a bunch of kids. If you haven't looked up uh, the, the, that investigative piece, I don't remember the name of the, the YouTube channel that did it off the top of my head, but uh, they looked a lot into what's uh, Roblox's business model. And, uh, yeah, millions of kids are part of the Roblox workforce. Anyway, we're talking about Ubisoft, not Roblox. Uh, signs of the exits are abundant. Uh, top name talent is leaving with at least f uh, five of the top 25 credited people from the company's biggest 2021 game, Far Cry 6, already gone. Twelve of the top 50 from last year's biggest Ubisoft release, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, have left too. A 13th recently returned. So at least they've gotten one boomerang. That's what we call it in my company when somebody leaves and then comes back, it's a boomerang. Also out are mid-level and lower-level workers as headcounts drop, particularly at Ubisoft's large and normally growing Canadian studios. LinkedIn shows Ubisoft's Mon Montreal and Toronto studios each uh, down at least 60 total workers in the last six months. And that's not about going back to the office necessarily, although I will say that it, for games especially, it's easier to be in a central location or have access to a central location because of hardware, uh, like dev kits. They don't have enough dev kits, to, and, and there are rules about console dev kits, especially for the big three, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Uh, there are rules about console dev kits about how many locks there needs to be before you get to the dev kit, which in an office building, usually I think Nintendo used to be, there had to be two locked doors between the outside world and your dev kit, which is why in offices it's fine because you're usually in an office park and you have the door or an office building and you have the locked door that goes in the lobby of the office building, and then the locked door that goes into your office that's in that office building. When, when you're in a house, you only have one locked door. 
your front door. So people would have to get safes uh, and stuff. And, and there, there was a big thing about indie games and Nintendo back in the Wii U days that they've softened recently. But th- there are rules about dev kits. And the point is you probably can't send a Xbox dev kit or a PlayStation 5 dev kit home with everybody that needs it. So it is easier to be in a central location specifically for hardware sake uh, in the gaming industry. Other industries like the one I'm in, I do all stuff on the cloud, which is just term for somebody else's computer. And so it doesn't matter where in the world I am. Two current developers tell Axios that departures have uh, have stalled or slowed projects, and one developer recently told a colleague currently at Ubisoft com- contacted them to solve an issue with the game because no one was still there who knew the system. So they're 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 working on a new game. Everybody that worked on a system found better opportunities elsewhere, uh, and nobody has left, and they didn't leave proper documentation, uh, and so it wasn't as understandable. So when something broke. Uh, the person needing to fix it is is trying to call in a favor. Interviews with a dozen current and former Ubisoft developers cite a range of factors for the departures, including low pay, an abundance of competitive opportunities, frustration at the company's creative direction, and unease at Ubisoft's handling of a workplace misconduct scandal that flared in mid-2020. One developer with more than a decade of experience at Ubisoft before recently leaving said the company is an easy target for recruiters given the company's myriad of issues. That is something that is a real thing. Uh, I know this because I'm in a different, I, I, I'm a software developer, but I'm in a, not in the video game industry. I'm in a different industry, but, uh, LinkedIn recruiters are, are, are persistent. Um, I am, uh, you know, as much as I don't want to toot my own horn or brag, I am actually really good at my job at my day job. Uh, and it is kind of known. And so I do get probably about 15 to 20 messages a week on LinkedIn, of people trying to recruit me away from my current company. Thankfully, my current company actually pays me really well, uh, and I'm treated really well, so I have no desire to leave, so I don't respond to any of them, but I do see them, and they are persistent, and I will actually see, like, LinkedIn will keep a a copy of the messages, the previous messages, and there's some that will message me every three months to see if I'm ready to, to, to make a jump to whatever company that they're with. So that being being a target is is not unheard of and that is how recruiters work in in any industry i'm sure but i'm just i'm familiar with the tech industry uh said another now former ubisoft worker who was disappointed by directions from the company's paris hq quote there's something about management and creative uh creative scraping by with the bare minimum that really turned me away unquote these game makers, like others who spoke to Axios for this story, asked not to be identified out of concern for jeopardizing their careers or those of colleagues still at Ubisoft. Many spoke fondly of their time at the company, and one said they'd even consider returning, but the past year and a half as it was a breaking point. I think one, one thing to note is that what that tells me is that it's not the, it's not the rank and file. That's the problem. A lot of times you can love your coworkers and love in the professional sense. And that's it. You know, love working with your coworkers. You can enjoy your coworkers company. You can enjoy working and, and creating things with your coworkers and hate management and hate the executives. And that makes you want to leave the company. And it's never about the people you work with directly from the day to day. It's usually about the people above them. Management says that it's on top of it. Saying, telling Axios that attrition is up, but the company has hired 2,600 workers since April. Uh, in the in each of the full, two years prior, two full years prior, it had hired up to 4,500 people. Uh, they say, quote, our attrition today is a few percentage points above where it typically is, but it is still within industry norms, unquote. And that was according to Ubisoft's head of people ops, Anika Grant. Uh, and uh, they, Axios actually had an interview. 
LinkedIn reports uh, Ubisoft's attrition rate is 12%, according to data supplied by Ubisoft. That is indeed lower than even the embattled Activision Blizzard, 16%, but higher than rivals EA, 9%, Take-Two, 8%, and Epic Games, 7%. Um, Departing employees talk of generous competing offers, particularly in the Montreal area where new studios are profiteering or are proliferating and where attrition at Ubisoft's main studio doubled for a time. Uh, one programmer told Axios that they were able to triple their take-home pay by leaving. In response, Ubisoft recently offered across-the-board pay raises for workers at its Canadian studios, and uh, that has improved retention by 50%, but it's also frustrated developers in other studios who wonder when they're getting raises too, because remember, there's 20,000 people at Ubisoft studios around the world. Montreal and Toronto are just two of those, and they're not as many. Ubisoft's handling of the misconduct scandals, a wave of Me Too allegations that led to the departure of several powerful men at the company, have weighed in on workers who have left, and many were still at the company. Uh, Over the summer, 1,000 current and former employees signed a letter saying that Ubisoft hadn't done enough to reform its culture, and Grant, Annika Grant, the head of People Ops, once again, uh, has said the company recognizes it needs to engender more trust from its workforce uh, and that it's committed to reform. And uh, a current Ubisoft developer... Uh, said, quote, I think abuse and toxicity are contributing factors, but not deciding ones for most, unquote. Uh, That's why they're bailing. But uh, they say, quote, women and people of color experience them as deciding factors, unquote. One worker who left this year said they tried to involve, uh, involve themselves in efforts for the company to reform its culture, but were disappointed when they heard what, what they heard from their bosses. Uh, they uh, said, quote, they constantly emphasize moving on and looking forward while ignoring the complaints, concerns and cries of their employees, unquote. Uh, and they said, quote, the company's reputation was too much to bear. It's legitimately embarrassing, unquote. Um, so uh, the, uh, a spokesperson at Ubisoft which is code word for someone in PR that doesn't want it to come from PR. I've learned that. I'm going to talk about that in a second because I just thought of that. Uh, a spokesperson noted that questions in a recent company-wide survey about whether employees are happy at the company and would, quote, recommend Ubisoft as a great place to work, unquote, return with a score of 74, which they said is in line with the industry average. I want to talk about this. So this is kind of a big thing, you know, just in general, because people are realizing that they're worth more, and especially especially people who are considered essential workers, which are not the workers at Ubisoft, uh, they realize that you know maybe they should get paid more uh, if they really are essential and valued that way. Um, Tireclaw says sometimes it's due to repetition. Don't you feel like doing something else at times when you get bored of the same thing all the time? It really depends on the person. Um, I will say that uh, one of the things, and software is a little bit different. So let me kind of paint this picture. I'm going to try to be very general about my day job because I don't want to discuss too much about this. But we're a consulting firm. We we write software for other companies. And I am of that same mind as Tiger Claw where I don't want to be working on something for that long. I don't I wouldn't want to work on a AAA video game for 3 years. That sounds terrible. I'm done. But uh, I work on projects that maybe last three to six months and then I'm off and I'm working on a brand new project and I'm learning new things. And that's what I like. We had a developer at my company who was in that same kind of situation, you know, every six months, nine months or something new. And they did not want to do that. They wanted to learn one piece of software and basically keep working on it and keep iterating on it. They wanted several years on that product. They didn't want to have to jump to something new 
They didn't want to have to learn something new every six, nine months. So they left for another opportunity. So not everybody wants to do something different all the time. It really depends on the uh, employer. And Tiger Law says this pandemic has really screwed a lot of people mentally when it comes to job. It, it screwed with a lot of people mentally for a myriad of reasons, either from from get the pandemic itself or the response to the pandemic. Both uh, everybody's been affected somehow by one, at least one of those thing, two things, maybe even both. So the last thing I want to talk about this is because I want to mention, uh, and this is kind of not about the Ubisoft story. I've kind of I'm kind of done talking about the Great Resignation, but there is a trick that was used in this piece. And I want to point out what this is. So when you see this, especially in gaming media, when you see this, I want to translate to you what it is. So there was, um, in that last line I wrote, a spokesperson noted that questions in a recent company-wide survey, blah, 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 blah. The key word there is a spokesperson noted. So when you see in a gaming industry, game press thing, a spokesperson noted... Or sources close to the company said, whenever you see any of those two things, whenever you read any of those two things in a gaming article, uh, what that literally means is it is coming from the PR agency, but the company doesn't, but their company does not want it to know that it came from the company. That it did not, it basically, it did not come from the official line of communication, but it came from the same person that gives the official line of communication. Like the quotes in here were actually earlier from the director of people ops at at Ubisoft that was on the record. And, and and that was a name thing. The spokesperson that talked about the recent company wide survey, that is most likely Ubisoft, somebody from Ubisoft's PR department that said, Hey, don't attach Ubisoft's name to this. But here's some information. Here's some color for your article. And Dark Tissue says, so an off-the-record kind of thing. Yes, it is kind of off-the-record. But what they can do, what they usually say is, sources close to the situation say, and it's usually the same person that gives the official response. So we're going to take a quick music break. We're going to play one last Christmas song. Christmas Overclock Remix for the people on the live feed, not on the podcast feed. Uh, we're going to take a quick music break, and then we will be back. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show in the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. You're listening to Bobby Blackwolf exclusively on the Bobby Blackwolf Show which is exclusive to Vogue Network, which in turn is exclusive to VogueNetwork.com. It's like the Game Awards all over again with all these exclusives, right? That's how this works. Thank you so much, YYR, for that bumper a while ago. I did not actually plan. I just I had that already set. Uh, and then YYR is actually here in chat tonight. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, check out YYR's games. Over on 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 uh, on Steam and itch.io, I believe, and uh, I, I know uh, the, the Loki's game is on itch.io. But check out Pixel Poops and other uh, YYR games on Steam, like Falling and Super Multitasking, and 
Snake 360 on there yet? I don't remember. Anyway, uh, if you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be a world-famous game developer like YYR. Uh, you can just be you. And uh, all I need is either an audio file or a video file with just your voice uh, that uh, says that you're coming back to the Bobby Blackwell Show. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to risk behind it. And then uh, we will, uh, and then it'll be part of the show. Uh, so I'm not playing the same bumpers from the past like 10 years all the time, even though it's all, it's all, it's all good. I like rotating through them. Uh, so let me look and see if, uh, I don't think anybody is in, in the, the green room. Uh, I think there were some questions earlier about like uh, g- gaming related resolutions. So I'll probably talk to Rob about that in a little bit, see if there are any. Uh, and, and if anybody got anything good, uh, if they did participate in the gift giving and getting se- season, uh, I got uh, super. Uh, I got Mario Party Superstars, the the rehash of the first ten Mario Party games, because I don't own any Mario Party games, so they're all new to me. And so uh, I I got that, and uh, my wife and I have been playing that, and uh, our marriage is still intact. So that that's a very good thing. But maybe you know if somebody else has Mario Party Superstars, maybe we should do a fall game night or something of that. Um. So uh, coming up next. Here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. And then we like to check in with them and see how things went over there and uh, what's going on. So, Sacramento, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Bobby. How are you? I am doing well. So, uh, do you have, so let, let's, did you get it? Did you get anything good uh, in, the, in the gift giving, getting season? How, how was your holiday? Um, it was fine. So Alan and I kind of agreed this year we weren't going to um, spend big money on each other because usually in years past we buy each other very expensive gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we're um, saving for some big spending in 2022, uh, we just decided our present to each other was to save the money, which I think is um, it's it's a financial Christmas. Um, but um, I got a really cute like probably as far as like gaming related stuff goes, I got a really cute little like Tumblr thermos thing. I wish I thought to put it on stream, but um, like a little Mario Luigi thing from Dark Sakura here at okay. OLR. So um, it was a really cute thing. Awesome. Yeah, no, I got uh, I got Mario Party Superstars was the game that, that I had gotten. But my wife uh, did find because Hallmark is just leaning in to the, the, the keepsake ornaments in pop culture. And she actually found uh, a King Mickey. Ornament, so an actual King uh, Kingdom Hearts oh, ornament. Uh, oh, it, cool! He's. It, I, I kind of wish Hallmark, if they leaned in more on these ornaments, actually make give them like Christmas gear or like Santa hat or something. But it is because like yeah. that would be cool, like having King Mickey with the Keyblade and a Santa hat on or something, you know, and kind of make it a little more about Christmas. This is Christmas tree ornament, but I can see it's maybe also probably- why they're not. It's probably very hard to alter in any way something that both Disney and Square have a stake in. Yeah. So, uh, but she, because she's also even said like, you know, like, well, she, we have like, uh, uh, she has like a Spider-Man ornament that I think was a previous Hallmark keepsake where he's got the Spider-Man's carrying Santa's sack of presents. You know, and stuff like that. So she kind of, you know, I kind of agree. Like, I kind of wish there was more of that, but I got a King Mickey ornament uh, that we put on a tree. And so that was the uh, one of the other things. And she got me one of those, like, the Super Mario Lego, like, one of the little packs that has, like, an enemy or something. Oh. So, well, that's really cool. So that was cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you, So let's look forward then. Do you have any gaming-related resolutions? Because I think E3VL asked that uh, earlier tonight. Any game-related resolutions since we're now coming up to, to the new year? This is the last shows for 2021. 
Um, probably. And I feel like I've made this resolution every year, but I'm going to make it again. And that is to try to be a little more commit committed to uh, doing more streaming, um, be it on my own channel or, you know, little little one off specials here at Vogue. Um, just uh, to try to be a more regular presence and try to grow things there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been I've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Final Fantasy fourteen kind of really screwed everything up because um, of the long queues. It's been very hard to predict when I can play it. And I've been trying to get through the game as fast as possible so I don't get spoiled. Um, the good news, I did beat the game this week. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that spoiler free on OLR this week. Um, but the downside of that is that I did. I, I got spoiled actually on a pretty big plot point mm. before I finished it, which is really irritating. But um it is what it is, uh, but just motivated me to finish it. But anyway, because of those cue issues and so forth, I can't predict when I'm going to be able to stream. And I've been having some major sound problems, too. So when I stream um, that game, it doesn't sound very good. But I, I want to get more committed to doing um, regular stuff that yeah. isn't just Final Fantasy 14 all the time. Yeah, that's probably close to mine, too. It's just I'm I think my resolution is I really need to sit down and figure out what I should stream, because that's kind of my thing is that. The, the the fortunate part about my life is, you know, I've got this nice, huge 4K theater set up. And if I want to stream a game, I can't play it down there. So it's like, do I want to play it on a big projector with, you know, atmospheric surround sound? Or do I want to play it on my computer monitor with lights bearing down on me? It's kind of an easy choice. I'm going to go play it down, you know, down and be immersed in it. So I've got to, like, figure out something more something more than just one off streams for right. me and i and i don't know what that is yet and that's a me problem i've got to figure that out yeah it's it's tough because um you know you want to be like a uh, I don't know. A lot of people on Twitch consider themselves variety streamers to the mm -hmm. point where I feel like, and, and this is a personal opinion, and I don't mean to offend with this. I'm just kind of stating the reality. So many people out there say, I'm a variety streamer. I'm a variety streamer. You're just, you're a streamer because everybody mm -hmm. is a variety streamer at this point. There's very, very few people. I would say you're the anomaly, not in a bad way or a negative mm -hmm. way, but you are the anomaly if your stream is dedicated to one thing. For example, Vogue Network is an anomaly, right? We don't really stream games here. We stream our, our yeah. um, podcasting pretty regularly but if you're dedicated to one game um i think you're actually you know like i'm a dead by daylight streamer and nothing else you know i think you're kind of you, you're you probably actually won't stick with that forever because eventually the game is gonna fade or make you mad or yeah. something's gonna it's very 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 rare that someone sticks with one game the entire time they have a streaming career yeah um and even harder to be successful with that so my point with all that is is that it's one thing to say you're like a variety streamer but what makes a stream really you and i'm still mm -hmm. trying to kind of figure that out like what why do people want to watch rob roberts yeah i'm not sure yet you know um, i'm thankful anytime someone does but what can i really put out there to make um the stream really my personality and then more importantly of course like grow that community of like-minded individuals who would want to watch whatever i'm playing yeah yeah i think like i need to figure that out because i i, I tried that early uh because remember i was like i'm gonna do like old school sierra games because I have the whole yeah. setup here, and that's not something I want to play in a 4K theater or anything like that. And I did that for a little bit, but I didn't keep it up, and then I ran out of things that I wanted to play. Right. And so, you know, I've got to kind of figure out what I want to do in that sense, because then you can be like, oh, he's the person that streams, you know, DOS games or, you know, doing Commodore 64 stuff, maybe, you know. So... You know, because I'm not a big multiplayer person, even though I know Dead by Daylight's a big thing. I'm not, 
I'm more interested in watching other people play Dead by Daylight. I don't want to play it myself. I get tensed up enough watching y'all play. I was going to say, to be honest, I didn't even know you enjoyed watching us play it. I kind of thought you wrote the game off, which is fine. Everybody mm-hmm. has their different tastes, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's actually cool to hear. Well, it's, it's, I, I enjoy watching y'all play just because of the personalities. Like, it's not the yeah. game, but I, then I get tensed up at the personality, at the game. And then I make jokes yeah. and I make y'all laugh and then, you know, yeah. that's all that's all good. So, uh, yeah. So so I mean, it's it's a great game for me to watch, but it's like not one that I would play. And yeah, I no, would and rather I support other people. That. I would rather support other people that do enjoy yeah. playing it and do enjoy streaming it. And I'd rather watch them. So that's probably my my gaming related resolution, too. Yeah. Now, I would say one game I really enjoy streaming actually is No Man's Sky. But at yeah. the same time, I'm not going to be a No Man's Sky streamer. But I just think that is I, I, I think I've said this before. I really like games where if you turn on the stream, it's very obvious what you're doing. And it's not like a narrative thing. Yeah. Like, and this is, again, my opinion. And right. I'm not trying to pick anybody off. This is just what I like. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what have yours like. Um, I don't love watching story-driven games when I'm in the middle of it because then my question is, am I getting spoiled? Am Mm -hmm. I going to be mad that I'm getting spoiled? What happened to get to this part of the game? You know, it's difficult. It's differently. And I'll play a night or two of a game just like because it's the introductory hours. But I I just I I hate watching streams that are like almost at the end of a game. And it's like I really don't know what I'm watching unless the streamer. It's just the type of person where I'm like, I will just come in and say hi, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why, like, a lot of the games I play are narrative. Or yeah. or I feel that I, I feel that I'm terrible enough at the game that I don't necessarily want to put it up on broadcast. You know, like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy Forza Horizon 5. But I'm not that good at it. So it's, you know, I'm I'm okay, but I'm not the best at it. Uh, and also, I want to play it in in nice 4K. But I actually can play it because I've got the PC version and it works great. Because I've got a, I've oh, yeah. finally built my gaming computer and I can use that to stream it. And basically, it acts as a console. Um, so I could do it, but it's like, do I really want to expose myself that much? Because you know, Twitch does have this terms of service about offensive content, and some of my driving is pretty offensive. So oh, stop. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, th- that's that's probably mine too. Just because, like, I want to, I want to go, I want to do more, and not just just sit around. But, uh, but yeah. I so, hear you. so, uh, but hey, uh, we could do that anytime. But it's really nice, you know, to have that tick of the year going up to make us think about it. Uh, and you know, I used to be able to make the joke that I'm still writing 2021 on my checks, but I think I'm still writing like 2017 on my checks. So, <laughs> if I write a check, what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Sounds Radio tonight? Well, it's a busy news week, let me tell you. No, obviously, uh, the news is a little slower this week. We do have some headlines we're going to talk about. It's things involving NFT, kind of like you got involved in as well, and cryptocurrency. But it's just, it's an interesting thing our industry is flirting with, whether we like it or not. So we'll talk about that. But um, I'm excited to get into this, too, to help uh, to help fill the time a little bit. We're going to go around the gaming uh, blogosphere and check in on some gaming journalists and uh, the fluff pieces that they've written uh, mm-hmm. over this week to auto-publish while they're out of the office. Uh, but still get those hits in on the website. So yep. we're going we're gonna to do fluff pieces from Orange Songs Radio's perspective. Nice. So stay tuned for that. And are you going to be doing a stream this week, or should we be talking about that yet, or no? 
sure. Um, there's going to be a bonus stream on Wednesday. Um, the time to be determined, but I'm thinking it'll be around 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. Um, and Shane and I are going to do a spoiler-filled Final Fantasy 14 stream. So nothing held back. So we are going to discuss everything about the game because, honestly, this is what it is. I've beaten the game. Shane's beaten the game. We have some feelings to process, so we're mm-hmm. going to do therapy. Even if nobody shows up, we have at least therapy with each other. And the good news is for the subscribers, um, it's uh, you know if, if you haven't beat the game yet, or you don't care, you can watch it. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't beat the game yet in your subscriber, you can just watch it on demand whenever. Um, and this is not a point reward thing. We're just doing it on the house as a thank you. Merry holiday. And thanks for being patient because I know we haven't delivered on the Foodio thing, but that will be coming next month. All right. So stay tuned for that. Check out Vogue Network on Twitter and our Discord as well, or just turn on notifications on the Twitch channel, and you'll your phone will buzz whenever we go right. live on isn't, Wednesday night. Isn't it worth turning notifications yeah. on? I mean, you know we're going to be here Sunday, and then it's like if we're live at another point throughout the week, like isn't that worth getting yeah. a push notification for? Yeah. I just I, I think it is. Yeah, and we don't we don't go live often, so it's not like you're going to get spammed every day. So no. so you know consider no. it, think about it. You may yes. still decide not yes. to. We're not going to tell you yes. what to do. But that would be the wrong decision, but yes. yes. Yeah. He said it, not me. Uh, direct your comments to uh, uh, Rob at Vognetwork.com. Uh, thank you so much. Have a have a safe and happy new year. I'll, I'll probably at least talk to you a little bit in your spoiler-filled stream Wednesday night, but have a safe and happy Sounds new good. year. All right. Okay. Same to you. Happy 2022 and hopefully not 2020 part two. Yep. All right. Orange Challenge Radio is up next. Thanks so much. Thanks as always. So uh, that is it for me for the year. Uh, but we will be back next year, actually in seven days, and next Sunday, which will be January second, twenty twenty two. I'm gonna have to remember to put that on all the all the podcast stuff because I don't write checks anymore. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we will be back next Sunday night, eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vog Network. Join us and be a part of the show directly. Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf. I will be uploading that video from the C64 running Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the raw video, the same raw video that I showed up here on the stream. I'm going to just put that straight on my YouTube channel, the personal YouTube channel. It's not going to go on the Vogue Network channel. It's going to go to the Bobby Blackwolf. Uh, so you can find that there. I've got some other game clips there and other personal stuff there. I, I, I'm not doing anything special with that channel, but it is my channel. So that's going to go up probably tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. So by the time you hear this podcast, it'll be up and you can hear it without any commentary uh, in full 1080p what the C64 puts out. Um, so uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody. But uh, it may be for somebody we do not know about it yet, but uh, we could not make all this work without the help and assistance of uh, the great chatters uh, that that go above and beyond. Uh, Just being here, participating, listening, watching, that is really all we really, really ask. But some people want to go above and beyond. We appreciate that. And that's why we had a hype train, a Twitch hype train that encourages people with emotes. It bribes people with emotes to go above and beyond with bits and subscriptions. And we actually had a hype train. We had a level... Uh, level two hype train conclude right near the beginning of the show tonight. So thank you so much. That was amazing to see. So um, Rob Roberts resubscribed. He didn't think I'd see it, but he resubscribed well before we went off the air. But I saw it. So thank you so much for the resubscription there. Orange Wright resubscribed, uh, said Merry Day After Christmas. Merry Day After Christmas to you, too. Uh, or Merry December 26th, if you prefer. Uh, Orange Light resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Paleonimea resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. YYR resubscribed. 
uh, Pod Culture gifted a sub to Matt Cube to get in on the hype train. Thank you so much for the gift sub. And Loki has resubscribed. So thank you once again for all that and for all your support. Hey, have a very uh, safe and happy new year. I understand this is when we uh, celebrate the birthday of the Earth, even though this is not really the birthday of the Earth, by blowing a piece of it up. But please uh, don't blow up your hands. I want you to have however many fingers and toes uh, that you have now, I want you to have those on January 2nd. So please be careful if you are going to be operating explosives. Uh, and uh, be careful if you're going to be operating yourself. Uh, don't do not do anything dumb that could get you in jail uh, or get you in a wreck. Uh, p- please just be here. Be here the same way you are now on January 2nd. That is all I ask. Uh, that's a great New Year's present for myself if you want to get me a New Year's present, is bring yourself, have yourself be the same as you were. I'm going to hit the button for the last time in 2021. Let your 2022 be merry. And uh, I'll see you next year. Take care of yourself. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.